let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by Padma Lakshmi, where I ask her, what are you cooking up this fall? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm so excited to welcome our guest. She is a literal Emmy-nominated food expert, television host, producer, and New York Times bestselling author, but she's also someone who I'm lucky enough to get to call a friend. Welcome to Getting Curious, Padma Lakshmi. How are you? I'm good, Jonathan. How are you? Good. Um, people can't see, which is their loss unless they follow social media, so they might get to see a little video of us. But this center part that you're serving us today, I I also was trying to do this thing where like I don't compliment all of my guests like physically because I'm trying to be like more of a journalist or something, but it's not going well. I'm still a hairdresser <laughs> at heart, and it just is what it is. Um, but how are you? What's going on? How's your summer been? I just saw that you were in Paris. I just got back from Paris last night. Um, my summer's okay. It's going by really fast and it's really busy and I'm thankful for that. But I'm also really overwhelmed, to be honest. I feel like I didn't even get to enjoy COVID kind of receding before this Delta variant is going full steam ahead. And, you know, one of the reasons I went to Paris is, you know, I would never go to Paris in August because everything is shut. But um, we just felt that it might be exactly right for us because we did want to be careful and we did just want to lay low, but go somewhere that wasn't New York because that's where we have spent most of the pandemic. 
And so my daughter, Krishna, who's 11, and I went to Paris. We skated at, you know, like in front of the Louvre and, um, you know, down in Ile Saint-Louis, and we had a great time. And I just feel like time is slipping through my fingers like sand. And I want to try and enjoy every moment that I have doing something, whatever that is. It can be as simple as making a grilled cheese, which is what I did 20 minutes ago with Krishna. But just making sure that I stop, I enjoy what I'm doing, or I focus really hard and concentrate on whatever is important to me. Because I do think that we're all getting, we're all trying to get back to normal, whatever the hell that means. But we're not normal. We've just been through collectively a very traumatic, fraught time. So even if we were all in stasis and staying really still, we still went through something that was very anxiety producing and very adrenaline producing. And so I'm sure that other people are feeling like I am. I'm usually a very motivated um productive, ambitious person. I want to be, I always want to feel like I'm being productive and useful, but, but lately I just feel like how I can be better is by doing less, but doing it with more meaning. If that makes sense. I'm hearing like a more quality over quantity message. Okay. Not to get sidetracked. However, you mentioned that you just made a grilled cheese 20 minutes ago. What, kind of cheeses? What was your method? How does Padma make a perfect grilled cheese? Now, here's the thing, everyone. I'll tell you this much. There is this one really exciting project that Padma and I got to do together, but I cannot tell you what it is yet, and neither can Padma, but I can tell you this. If And obviously, you don't need to hear from me because you're a literal food expert, and I'm sure most people listening to this do know that, but you know your stuff when it comes to food. You are not playing around on the food knowledge front. So, Please tell me what did you like what happened on this grilled cheese? Like how do we how do we make the perfect one? So this is a very simple, basic, but sublime grilled cheese. I like using San Francisco sourdough. I like the company bread alone, but there are many companies. I get sliced sourdough bread. I butter one side of the bread very luxuriously. And then I put it in a hot pan, in a nonstick pan, and then I put shredded cheese. I don't like the cheese slices. I like shredded cheese and I like the fine shred. Um, I think it's Organic Valley has a brand that's Mexican blend or Stonyfield Farms or something like that. You have just rocked my world. I'm so sorry, but I'm freaking out. Like, this is breaking news. No one's ever told me to do sprinkly cheese on... That makes so much sense, though. It's going to give you more of that pull. It's going to give you more of that, like... It's more quesadilla style. Yes. Yeah. And so, so I put the bread in. I turn it on medium. Don't turn it too high, but you want a good heat, a good amount of heat. Then I put this, I sprinkle the Mexican blend, which is really just jack and cheddar. Jack will melt really well. So will cheddar. Munster cheese will also melt really nicely. And then Gruyere as well, if you want something more grown up. And then you can put jalapenos on that. You can put honey mustard on the inside of that. You can put sauteed mushrooms or pickled onions on the inside of that. So if you were going to do that, though, would you do that? Like, do I do that? Like when it's not melted yet? Yeah. You put it on top and then 
you butter one side of another slice of sourdough bread and you make sure the butter side is up. Yes. So you cover it. And then you cover it you know, with a lid and hopefully a glass one so you can see what's going on, but even if not, and you, that's why you don't want the heat too high, but you, you know, you want to cover it so you contain the heat and that's how you melt that cheese. Then when you see the cheese melting out from the sides, you know, lift, lift it up if you can't see, and then you flip it. And then on the second side, you leave it open because if you leave it closed the whole time, then you won't get crunchy on the outside of the bread. You, you need that crunch. So you don't, you know, you don't want to um, trap the moisture, but for the first half, before you flip it, you need to contain the heat because the cheese will melt faster that way. And again, you're doing this on medium heat. And then, and then what happens? Like, how do you serve it? You like, then you bring it out when it's like perf. Yes. And you put it on a big plate and you bring it out and you just cut it in half, but you leave it closed. So then when you open it, that's the big reveal. And put like twice as much cheese as you think you're going to need. Okay. I'd rather have one good grilled cheese than four mediocre grilled cheeses. So the way to make your grilled cheese yummy is to put extra cheese in it. Ah, uh, can I just say, it's like, I feel like there may be some listeners right now that when I first asked that question, were like, oh, come on, like a grilled cheese, but it is harder than you think. I feel like some of the basic things, there's a total method to it and you have to like follow or it doesn't turn out as good. And grilled cheese is totally one of those things I feel. It is. And I've been doing it wrong, apparently, like, because I've been using like the dang slices. And I also feel like I heat it up hotter than Hades because it doesn't melt because it's like a big old slab of cold ass cheese. Right. That's what happens because we usually take the cheese, you know, cold out of the fridge and then you've got yes. those slices, which are nice, but won't give you as much mouth as quickly. Uh, I honestly, I didn't mean to like, I took such a hard right on learning about grilled cheeses in my question. I didn't mean to go there. I didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> I took it back into my flow of questions. I'm so sorry. Okay, great. Wait, so you guys are in Paris. I really was living for that content. It was gorgeous. I saw some very good food that was like being consumed on this trip? What was like the standout, most amazing dish while you were there? Honestly, we ate really healthy and it was so hot that we didn't want to eat anything really heavy. So, I mean, Krishna did have coffee of duck one day um, because she's fabulous. Um, <laughs> I mean, literally, she was like, I really, you know, I'm going to get the pusa, I'm going to get the pusa, which is a baby chicken, a young chicken. Um, but then she saw the person at the next table, get the duck and she regretted it. So the next day we went to get confit of duck. Why am I hallucinating? Did I not see some sort of like, was there one dessert on your stories? Like one, why do I feel like there was like, I feel like there, there was were like lots of desserts. There were lots of desserts and there's, there was one with like these peaks of meringue yes. and then with like, was like literally looked like a banana split with whipped cream and sliced bananas. Um, so, you know, we were ordering everything and we ate healthy too. Like there's one that, um, this place, it was called the, the art of fruit but it was weird. Um, but it was so good because it was really healthy and they had these like gorgeous salads. You know, you go to France and whenever you order salad, it always has like a really rich dressing on it. And it's like, where's the sweet greens? Where is the toss? There's none of that. <laughs> you know, there's none of that, thankfully, but like 
um, there was this one place we just found in the Bastille and we just saw, you know, we were trying to also be safe where we were eating. So we saw everyone else kind of spread out. And so we thought, okay, that's a good place. And these salads came and they were gorgeous. And, you know, the French do know how to do salad. If you just ask them to go easy on the dressing. Ah, I wish like, I feel like salad is kind of like working out for me in the sense that like once I do it, I feel amazing, but I'm never like, mm, I want to go work out. Like I'm never like, mm, you know what sounds like I have to have done like a bunch of really unhealthy stuff for me to like crave a salad. Otherwise my body just wants like processed shit. I hate it. It's a nightmare. It's it's because I'm Midwestern or something. I don't know what my problem is, but actually I, I want to utilize more of your culinary expertise. Do you mind? No. Okay. So I like my husband's really into gardening and now we're like the Queens of like this, like Texas garden. We have like the most plentiful okra you've ever seen in your life. Oh like, yeah. Texas okra is a big deal. It's the season right now too. I have okra coming out of my ears. So like, do you have like a favorite okra? Like, do you love okra? Like how do I make it? Are you into sure. it? Okay, so okra is really interesting because a lot of people don't like it because it can be slimy, but it doesn't have to be slimy. Okay, the way to cook okra is also on high heat. Uh. And I would make like a sauteed okra with ginger, garlic, and onion. I'm literally taking notes. I'm like, if you see, I'm, I'm going to the right, I'm just taking notes. I'm not, not paying attention. Okay. What was that again? Ginger. So um, heat some oil, like sesame oil or canola oil, um, like a high smoking point oil, like grapeseed oil is good too. Once it gets hot, add some cumin seeds, about a teaspoon. And then um, once they slightly start to turn color, usually two to three minutes, add your sauteing onions. So like, you know, if you chop them up really small, they'll take less time to cook. If you chop them up bigger, they'll take longer. But you just want to saute onions and the cumin together and cook them down. Add um, some chopped ginger and garlic as well once the onions get a little glassy and transparent. And then you can cut your okra in rings, um, like about a quarter inch thick. And you want to add the okra in there and just add like a really good curry powder. Ooh. Yeah, just a smidge, like half a teaspoon of curry powder and salt to taste. And then just saute, saute, saute. For like two to three minutes, you said? Yeah, at least, yeah. At least, but maybe even longer or no? Yeah, yeah, you're going to need like 15 minutes for that. Um, 15? Yeah, for that okra to cook down. Oh my God, I'm so, yeah, I've, so I, my friend Julie's just been kind of like, just frying it on the stove with like some olive oil and like salt and pepper. And it's like, all right, it's like kind of spicy, but I was like, I wish I could just like zhuzh this up with something. So this is perfect. Like a little like soy, uh, garlic, ginger moment with onions. Mm -hmm. Yum. Yeah. And you can also add chopped tomatoes and really let the tomatoes cook down. Like that is nice too. That's like more of a stewy. That's nice. I also threw it in, I've also been throwing it in chili, but it's like in the summer, you're just like not really craving chili, which is the thing. No, it's too heavy. I mean, people put it in gumbo too. And that's, you know, that's how they make gumbo. They also thicken, use okra as a thickener. Mm. Ah, so I think that's like all of my garden stuff that 
because I feel like I've been like utilizing because I've been doing baba ganoush with our eggplants. Are you doing tomatoes at all? Our tomatoes were just like a total fail this year. They just like they they were all just like did it. They like literally all failed. Like all of our tomatoes had really oh. plentiful okra, eggplant, jalapenos, cucumber, watermelon. I had some really good pumpkins till they were murdered by these like evil boar vine moths, but I don't want to talk about it. These poor listeners have already had to hear me like scream about it for untold minutes. Have you ever heard of a squash boar vine moth, Padma? No, but now I have. They murdered my pumpkins. I will, I literally have like PTSD, like pumpkin trauma. They were so pretty and youthful and growing and like great until these moths that are wasp imposters. So you don't kill them because you think, I can't go into this again. The people are like, oh my God, don't turn this podcast off because all I ever does is talk about these boar vines. Ah, we're fine. Um, okay. So I feel complete. Oh yeah. One more question before I'm going into our next segment, but what is something that's always in your fridge and your freezer? That's like, you always just have to have at home. Um, yuzu juice. What's that? Yuzu juice is a Japanese citrus fruit and it's kind of pricey, but one bottle goes a long way and, um, you can just use it in cocktails or salad dressings, or you can toss ahi with it or any kind of sushi grade tuna or ceviche and it's delicious ah i love that and it's called yuzu heart yeah y-u-z-u you will recognize the taste you've probably had it on like yellowtail carpaccio at the japanese restaurant or something and it's so floral it is it's sour like lemon juice but it's a little more sophisticated it's great in a margarita you have to get yourself a bottle Margarita, I'm on like a month detox right now because I went a little too hard on my honeymoon, I feel. So I'm just like having like a brief little detox. But when I come, when I'm not on my detox, yuzu juice and a margarita sounds amazing. Honey, I love a luxurious moment, but I also love luxury that like doesn't cost quite so much. Then I discovered Quince and it was a total game changer. They have so many different items to choose from. They have washable silk tops and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Thanks, Quince. And... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Indulge in affordable luxury, honey. Go to quince.com slash curious for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash curious to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash curious. My makeup routine changes every day. Sometimes I'm giving you full glam, but sometimes I like a no makeup makeup look or like literally just like almost literally no makeup. It just depends. Whether you like fresh faced, full glam or somewhere in between, there's a Thrive Cosmetics product for you. Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty free. 
They're made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, they are high-performance, and they have uncompromising standards. One of my personal favorite products is the Brilliant Eye Brightener. I love this product because it can be used in so many different ways. It can be a highlighter stick that's made to brighten and open up your eyes. They support amazing causes, including the LGBTQIA plus community and racial and social justice. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash curious. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash curious for 20% off your first order. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. We are talking to Padmalakshmi, who we love so much. Now, wait, here's the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. You, this, you've just written a gorgeous children's book, which is Tomatoes for Neela, but this is your first children's book, right? Yes, it's my first children's book. I'm so excited. It comes out on August 31st, and I'm really nervous about it because, you know, writing for kids is no joke. There's a real art and craft to it. Um, and here's the book. I know your readers can't see it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is such beautiful illustration. Thank you. Thank you. And it's based on a story that I used to tell um, my daughter, Krishna, all the time. And, you know, she never knew when anything was in season. Why would she? Because she lives in America where you can go to the grocery store and get, your, you know, most grocery stores, you can get everything all the time. And so I realized that, you know, kids don't know about eating in season and what's good for you and, and why it's important to respect everyone in our food chain. So that's what the book is about. Um, I chose tomatoes because they're such a common ingredient in everyone's cuisine and in everyone's kitchen. And so, you know, it's just about teaching kids the importance also of writing recipes down and passing down recipes. Because when you teach a kid to write a recipe, you're teaching them spelling, you're teaching them fractions and math, you're teaching them sequential ordering, you're teaching them how to write things in an order that are clear so that other people will understand. So all of these developmental skills that kids learn when they're growing up can be utilized in a fun way through recipe writing. And for many families, especially immigrant families, but not only, you know, food is how they connect with their family. Food is how they connect, especially with their elders, um, like their grandparents, if they're not from, you know, if they didn't, if their grandparents grew up in another country, it's a nice way to have a tie to your culture. So it's also an intergenerational story about three Asian women um, who cook together through, you know, just Skype and things like that, because that's also a reality for many people now is that, you know, we can't all travel to see our family right away. And so um, it's a way of bringing in members of your family that aren't necessarily there. It's a way of feeling closer to them. And so that's really what the book is about. But it also has a bunch of tomato facts and a couple of recipes in the back. And it gives you the history of the tomato and also some back matter about farm workers and, you know, respecting everyone who plays a part in our food chain. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from the book. And I'm 34. Like, this is an all people's book, as it turns out. But it's just, like, really cute and has, like, stunning illustrations. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I really am excited. I've been working on it for a long time. We were really lucky to get um, this very, very talented illustrator named Juana Martinez-Neal. She's Peruvian. 
and she's a Caldecott honor recipient. And at first, when we asked her, she was our first president, she said no, because she was too busy with all these other projects. And then she called us back and was like, hey, I rearranged some things and I think I can do it. And I'm so happy we got her because, you know, the illustrations in any children's book are so, so important. Um, but especially in this one, because we wanted to also get the skin tones right. You know, it's rare that you see different kinds of people in children's books. It's easier nowadays. But when I was growing up, all of the dolls, all of the toys, all of the books just had white skin, white skin. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's nice to see a diversity of faces, you know. Is there an illustration that like really sticks closest to your heart from the whole book? I'm, I'm sure it's hard to pick, but... It is hard to pick, but I like this one because they're dancing around the kitchen. And this part of Aww. the book talks about how, you know, um, Neela loved it when her mom would, you know, shake spices into the stew or, or, or chop or use a box grater for carrots because she had bangles on her wrists. And that's a very Indian woman thing. You know, most Indian women you'll see always have bangles on. And, you know, she loved the sound um, that the bangles made and she could tell what her mom was doing by the rhythm of the sounds. And so I think that illustration is beautiful because it's very active and alive and there's a lot of movement which is hard to get in a static, you know, two-dimensional illustration. But Wana did it beautifully. She really, really did. And it's like, this is so interesting because you are obviously really talented at conveying all things food on screen. You've also, because you've also done incredible cookbooks. But how did you, and, and you kind of just touched on it, but how did you generally kind of, how did doing your first kids look compare to some of the other mediums and how they interact with food? Did that question make sense? It did, right? Yes, it totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I had to remember my audience. I think the, the ethos of what I was trying to say is the same, right? Whether I'm talking to you or I'm talking to an eight-year-old kid or my grandma, who's going to be 90. It's all the mm -hmm. same. It's just the language that you use. I mean, I know you've written a children's book too, so you must have had to consider this. I think kids are super intelligent. And I think they are capable of much more than we realize. I think that you just have to speak an age-appropriate language for them so that they don't tune out. You just have to get it to them in smaller little bites, you know, smaller units. But um, I, I was worried about that. I was really concerned that I wasn't, you know, I was concerned if there was enough going on in the story because they're basically just cooking tomato sauce for the winter, right? They go to the green market, they get a ton of tomatoes, and then in the course of the story, they make the tomato sauce and they save one jar at the back of the cupboard for the granny who's coming, the grandma who's coming in winter for her, you know, holidays to spend with her grandchild. I was worried that there wasn't enough narrative and there was too much facts. Like there's a lot of tomato facts, there's a lot of tomato history. Um, there's, you know, stuff about farm workers. There's educational material. There's like an author's note, there's recipes. And, and then I was afraid, like, is this too much? But I figured that, you know, all the books that I and my daughter loved reading always had a lot of back matter, always had like just a lot of different stuff that we went back to. Unlike adults, kids will read the same book 50 times. You know, it just becomes this beloved story. So I'm hoping that 
you know, there isn't too much stuff. And even if there is that, you know, people don't have to bite it all off in one go. Like they can go back to it and be like, okay, today we're going to read about the farm workers. Tomorrow maybe we'll try a recipe. Oh my gosh. It sounds, I, I can't wait to get it. There's like so many kids who I want to get it for. It sounds so cute. It sounds so much fun. Okay. But not to be like hashtag spoiler alert, but like it, how many recipes is in there? And like, did you have like a favorite tomato recipe that people should maybe try first in there? Or no? Um, there, okay, so if you there are two recipes in the book, but if you buy it through Barnes and Noble, there's actually a third one for tomato rice um, because they did a special edition of the book as well. Um, there's a very basic tomato sauce that's in the book that you have the recipe in the back for that I really recommend trying. It's so simple and it's so easy to do, but like. If you have that in your house, in your freezer, in your fridge, in your cupboard, you will always be thankful. You can make a million things with it. This is a basic tomato sauce. And then there's a tomato chutney recipe that I say you should swap out your salsa for. Because ah. it's so yummy. And it's also good to use in place of just regular um, pizza sauce if you're making like homemade you know, pizza toasties or something. Because... It's already spicy and has more vegetables in it. And so you could, you know, the tomato chutney recipe, actually, you could use that as a base. Jonathan, you could just add okra to it. My mouth is watering so hardcore right now. Pama, you do this to me every time. I'm obsessed. So tomatoes for Nila available for pre-order now and it's available August 31st, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's available for pre-order now and it'll be on sale everywhere on August 31st for pickup. Recently, I've been having some stomach problems. Everyone that I talked to recommended that I take a bunch of different supplements and vitamins, but it's kind of complicated to keep track of that many different pills and powders every day. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my gut health while also supporting my immune and brain health. AG1 covers my bases with high-quality ingredients like pre- and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food-sourced nutrients. AG1 also replaces my multivitamin, my pre-slash-probiotic, and my supplements to support energy and focus. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com curious. That's drinkag1.com curious. Check it out. My husband loves him some ritual. His little tum-tum can get off. His little microbiome, it says, help me. Enter Ritual. They created a three-in-one supplement, including clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gash, and diarrhea. I really like Ritual because they prioritize sustainably sourced and traceable ingredients. I love to take my Symbiotic Plus every morning along with my hot tea or coffee because I feel like it helps me start the day off right. I also love that Ritual has industry-leading sustainability standards. Ritual uses scientific tools to select lower carbon packaging, prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. 
Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 20% off. Okay, so we are like rounding third base, not to use like a weird sports term. I don't know who I am, like some butch queen who uses like sports references, but we are rounding third base, coming into home, honey. Um, what are you, I mean, what's happening for you this fall? Like what's, what's happening after tomatoes for Neela? What is ahead for you? Okay, so in October, I guest edited Eating Well magazine and I really did it. It's not just me on the cover and like pretending. I really went to editor editors meetings that we pitched stories. We did everything like the layout. I've even, you know, just now signed off on all the layouts for um it. Wow. I always wanted to edit a magazine. I used to write for Harper's Bazaar and Vogue, and I had a syndicated column in New York Times syndicate for a while. And it was always a dream of mine. I think I'm just like super bossy, controlly, detail-oriented person. <laughs> so it was the perfect job for me. Um, so that's coming out as well in the fall. It's for the October issue. I also have in October an anthology of, you know, those best American series, like, when, you know, best American short stories, best American travel writing. So I did, I edited the best American travel writing for 2020, and that will be out um, in October of this year. So if you're ever in an airport again, um, you can go on (laughs) everywhere in the bookstores. So there was some really beautiful, interesting writing. At first, when they asked me to do it, I was like, why? Who said no? Because it's a really prestigious gig to do. Like, you know, Bill Bryson has done it. Tony Bourdain has done it. Cheryl Strait, like really high end writers have done it. And so they're like, no, no, nobody turned us down. We just thought you'd be great for it. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, (laughs) I was worried that there wouldn't be, you know, enough travel writing because no one went anywhere, but it is breathtaking. There's some beautiful, beautiful essays in there. And so that's coming out as well in October. So look for that best American travel writing and then taste the nation is back in November. Taste the nation. Um, it's not a full season. It's like a little mini seasonette because it was really, you know, it's a very intimate show as you know. So it was hard to film in quarantine, but we managed to eke out four special episodes and we didn't want to like wait a whole nother year before we, you know, streamed more episodes because we don't want the trail to go cold. It's already been a year since the first season came out. So we decided to put a holiday spin on it. And I think it works beautifully because it's interesting to see how other cultures celebrate holidays. You know, so we have Korean New Year called Surlal. We have um, a Noche Buena, which is a, a Miami Christmas Eve celebration with a whole roast pig. Um, because, you know, with communism, like they could only have a silent Christmas mm. in, in Cuba. So really like the authentic Cuban Christmas as it's been traditionally celebrated is actually happening much more in Miami. So we were able to go there and meet with a few families and talk to them. And then we do Hanukkah with the Ashkenazi Jewish people of the Lower East Side. Um, and then we go to Cape Cod for Thanksgiving with the Mashpee and Aquinnah Wampanoag First Peoples. They've been here in America for 12,000 years, and we don't know much about them. All we know is that they were there with the pilgrims, but that whole Thanksgiving myth is total and utter bullshit. And so we just break down the myths and finally give these beautiful people and their culture 
the due that they deserve and talk about them and what their ways are. I cannot wait to see that. That sounds incredible. The first scene was amazing. So I can't wait to see this special. It's going to be so good. And then people, it'll be on November Hulu. 4th. Yeah. November 4th. Hulu. Hulu's still right. Okay, great. Yay for Hulu. Can't wait for that. Okay. And then, okay. So we got that. We got that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait. And then is there, this is my last question. Um, well, okay, so technically two. But is there, like, some, like, you know how, like, chin to, like, collarbone haircuts have just been, like, in for, like, three years? Is there, like, a food trend that, like, has just, it's not going away? Like, we haven't tried it yet. Like, is there just, like, is there just, like, something that, like, it's just, like, you're not, like, you're not a grown-up until you have X? Or is there, like, just, is there just, like, some, like, food trend that, like, we just need to know? It's, like, not a trend. It's, like, classic. We just, like, we just need to know you know, well, here's it. Here's what I think. I think that um, you should. Everyone should try black garlic. It's so delicious, and it's black. Like black garlic, when you get it, you almost have to like squeeze it out of its peel, right? And it's like kind of um, pasty and black, mm. and and you can. It gives so much umami flavor to anything you put it in. I put it now in my chicken stock. I do not make chicken stock without black garlic. And it is divine. It tastes like beef stock. It's so, so rich and so decadent. And that deep, deep flavor and sweetness, weirdly like a savory sweetness that it gives you chicken stock is insane. You will never make chicken stock without it again. Oh, my God, I love that so much. Okay, so now it's last moment. Um, is there anything that you would just be remiss that you didn't mention that you didn't say? Or are you just like really vibing on like an issue? Do you need to like, it's your recess, it's your moment. You can say whatever you want. You could also be like, I feel really complete and I don't really need to say anything else. Uh, and I'm going to go like make another grilled cheese because I got hungry. Or you could, it could be literally anything. It's your moment. Thank you. Um, the thing that I will say is that there's a lot happening in our world right now. And, um, you know, Americans are feeling a lot of pressure, um, you know, with COVID, with wondering what's going to happen with school, which is opening soon. So if you're a parent, you know, everybody's nervous about that and the masks and all that stuff. But there are people who are much worse off than we are um, in Central America, in Afghanistan, in different places in the world. And so I would just encourage everyone to be as open hearted and generous as you can, because that is the tradition of what being American is, of welcoming everybody here with open arms that needs it. And every time we've done that, like even after the Vietnam War, we took in a million and a half Vietnamese refugees, and they have been some of the most productive, successful members of our society, from the golf shrimping industry in Louisiana and Texas to all of the nail salons and all of, you know, the scientists and educators and everybody who we have welcomed as a refugee who have given this country back so much. You know, I just, I know it's a hard time for people and I know it's hard to like wrap your head around, you know, letting this person in our border and that person in our border. But I just want to remind everybody that there is plenty in America to share and giving something away is always most beneficial to the person doing the giving. Mm, that was beautiful. Padma, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you so much. We love your work. We're just such big fans of you and we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on, Jonathan. It's really nice to spend this time with you and see you again. 
You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Padma Lakshmi. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, honey, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. Yes, 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 yes. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, and Emily Bosick. <laughs>